Hey everyone, before we get into this week's show, let's take a second to talk about our sponsors. First, we have Rockstar Tacos at the Gaslight Lounge, located at 4916 Shaw Avenue next to the Botanical Gardens. They'll open Tuesday through Saturday, starting at 5 p.m. They have weekly specials. Look, check out their Facebook, Instagram for pictures of all the food specials, and along with Instagram as well. Some of the best food that you'll probably have. Chris and I both love the burrito tacos, along with the poutine and Turner appetizer. Go ahead and check them out to see what's going on with them, including their monthly music trivia on Facebook and Instagram. Next, we have Lucky Lola's Foods. Chris and I both love all their items, but especially Chris loves his the salmon rub. They have their jalapeno sweet heat along with some brats and meat sticks. You can find any of those items not only at Fresh Time and Kenrick's and some of the Schnooks markets are starting to carry them as well. They're great items for barbecues or any occasion you may have. Veteran-owned. So make sure you check them out. Another great local company sponsoring our show. Last but not least, we have Altered State Comics, located at 671 Big Ben Road, opened Tuesday through Sunday. Um, you can get comics, Funkos, figures, and much more at their show at their place. Uh, you can check at alterstatecomics.com. We'll have all the info on where to, what they have, what's going on with them. But you can also start a pull list with them and get all your comics like I do every week. So thanks for listening to our show. If you need to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Look up Blues Hockey Podcast, and you'll have all this information for not only on our show, but all our great sponsors. Enjoy this week's show. Hey, it's Chris Jericho, and you're listening to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Go Blues! <laughs> Welcome back to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Your host Jason and Chris. Yo, Chris, the traveling man, has been all over the country. Indeed. So we've been kind of delayed on stuff, and just like we always said, when we do the podcast, it's always when you record, something happens. Yep. And the funny thing is, we record an episode maybe like a week right before you left, mm-hmm. and um, went to pull it because we did it via the Zooms, via the internets. We did, worldwide internets. And then after we got done with that, I went to pull it, and guess what? Not there. The file is not there. I have no idea. It was recording. You saw it was recording. I saw it. I heard it say we were not recording. Yeah, so I took it as it was the best episode ever made of any podcast ever made. It was. And now it's lost. It would have won a lot of awards and generated a lot of income, but it is lost to the wind forever. Yeah, so there's that. This is but not then, the greatest podcast in the world. This is just a tribute. Correct. So now... It's like, oh, well, maybe something will happen between now and then. And the Blues are like, when kept losing, losing. Boy, did it. So a lot of things happened all within like 26 hours, give yeah. or take. You know, so it's kind of crazy on how things are. You were in New York when this happened. I was. I was in, I was uh, turning the game off because I watched part of the Detroit game. So we're not going to do game recaps because we have a ton of news to talk about. I was, what's so funny we'll talk is. About, so we'll get into the news and everything about it. So. I had to watch the West Coast replay of the game because mm-hmm. I was in New York at my company's uh, Christmas party. So I was halfway through the West Coast replay of the game when the news broke. And I was like, oh, guess I know how this game is going to end. Yeah. So uh, Detroit game, very much a back and forth game. And then yeah. the Blues just. Leading going to the third period against a depleted team who not only has a couple major injuries, yep. 
did pick up Patrick Kane for Detroit, so we'll say that much. But sure. Patrick Kane, who's just got surgery replay, surgically repaired hip. Right. Um, How did he look? Uh, from the little bit that I saw, looked good. Yeah. Passing, passed well on the power play. Old that old Patrick Kane, but like you know how it's like we talked about this when I when we wanted to, when I wanted to go see Rage Against the Machine. Like, right? I'm sure it's gonna be great, but it's just gonna not gonna be a, it's gonna be like a step a behind. Step so slow. so yeah. So I think it's like that. It's like you can see the the you know how good he is. Yeah, it's just maybe just a little bit off at times, or just right. a step slower, but still really good. Sure. Um. So obviously they had a big you know what to do earlier in the week with Dylan Larkin getting knocked out. Yeah. And that was like an NHL 94 knocked out. Like when oh, you're on yeah. the ground, like twitching. Yeah. On the ground, all like kind of like spread out like an X. And I'm trying to be funny, but he was like out. Like yeah, that was legit. I saw, like, the, I saw the hit. Um, and then David Perron came in and just wanted to decapitate. Uh, <laughs> well, David, up, so. David Perron has been that guy. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. And him, one, may do something that was a little, you know, on the borderline dirty. Right. Two, defending a teammate. Look, I, I think that. Anytime that you're someone like David Perron, he lost what a, a full calendar year to concussion, almost a year and a half, like 90 plus games. Yeah, um, and that's honestly it's one of the big reasons I was never a Joe Thornton fan. Um, but you know, I think you see that, and then when you're on this, when you're on the bench and you see it happen to a teammate, it you can't help but have a flashback to how bad it messed you up. I think, and David Prahn still recovered and has had a fantastic career. Mm-hmm. Think about what he could have been if he didn't lose that year and a half. Yeah. Still really good player. Definitely has Stanley cup champion for sure. Um, but yeah, it's real interesting that how everything kind of shaped out. So blues lose to Detroit yeah. in their period to fall apart quickly. Mind you, like it within a minute, they get to get the Detroit ties game. And then within three minutes, the game is, out of reach. And that's, then, that tracks for the Blues. And yeah, and that's kind of one of the things why the next thing that happened. So after that happened, I turn my phone on notifications off and I go to bed just so mm-hmm. I don't get a bunch going off. Um, so I woke up to 39 notifications and oh. 25 texts. Of course. So I was like, oh my God, what happened? So then my wife said like, oh, Brubay's not coach anymore because she was just waking up too. And I'm like, yeah. oh, crap. Um the coincidence, the thing was funny. I we posted on um, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Nowadays. Um, the fourth period, which is uh, Frank Saravelli's kind of website. Yeah. There was he posted rumblings of there being discontent in the front office about how the Blues been playing, which right. is not bad. Uh, not good, excuse me. Uh, really bad. Um, and lo and behold, Ruby loses a job. Um, before we get into that, I'll talk about like I got to go to a game out of. Uh, Enterprise Center. So I was actually in Chicago for the Chicago game, which not great. Yuck. That was a yuck game. Yes. Um, but I will say this. United Center is not bad. United Center is great. Yeah. The the song sucks live. It's terrible. Um, the one thing that the Blues could definitely learn from two things I saw. The scoreboard there and how the setup is head and shoulders above how the Blues do theirs. I agree. Um, I love that they have a couple of boards going around the bottom of each side of the scoreboard, and it gives you who is on the ice for Blues, who is on the ice for the Chicago Blackhawks, time on ice with their numbers. It helps It helps anybody who is a casual fan, casual fan, like, yeah. oh, I don't know who that is, and you can see who that is, and I think that is very helpful. Dallas does the same thing, okay. it's fantastic. I think that's something the Blues could definitely learn from or yeah. figure out some way to make that more visible. They do do that on flashes right. in their arena, but I would, if it's there all the time, it'd be great. 
and also the stats they have above it, like total faceoffs, um, penalty minutes, and it key, and it stays up there the whole time. My thing is like there's a constant, it constantly updates and it's always on the screen. Sure, but yet you still have the big screen in the middle where you're still seeing action and other stuff. You know, I I wonder how much of that uh, they can accommodate due to the fact that that arena is much bigger than than Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there is some sort of a minimum requirement of uh, height from the ice level to the bottom of the scoreboard. Yeah. So maybe the Blues don't have the room to do that. It could be. Uh, but even if they did that on ribbon boards or something, uh, like I said, when you're at Dallas, and again, this is a little different because the way uh, American Airlines Arena is built, it looks like an airplane hangar. <clears throat> so it's flat walls on the on the far ends. Yeah, there are two sizable scoreboards above the top section on the flat walls. Yeah, that are nothing but just stats. Yeah, and that stay up there the whole game, and it's awesome. And I think it's something, especially with like I'm not saying looking for advanced stats, but like that being so prevalent in any sport. Any I sport, agree. Any sport, I think that's something to do. And the Blues really focus on a lot of advertising though. And I, maybe that's the way they, maybe that's how they do to generate the revenue I'm compared sure. to other cities. Maybe I'm I don't sure. know. Cause obviously Chicago is a very big market. Dallas is a big market. Well, I, New I wonder, a big market. I get it. I wonder how much is, and I, and I, I've never really done a deep dive to figure out how much of this is true, but for the longest time, I always heard that the deal that ownership of the blues at the time they built enterprise at the time was what keel center, mm-hmm that the blues organization doesn't get any money out of parking or concessions, Correct. but all they get are ticket sales. Yes. That I'm sure they're using everything they can to generate ad revenue to make money. Yeah. Cause think about how much money the team is losing just in parking, let alone beer sales and food sales. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if there is a deadline on when that deal is up, I remember check it. Remember check is infamously signed as like, part of his thing to generate because he needed money. Right. He basically got an upfront cut of all the concessions and basically took said for ten years I won't take like X like certain right. percentage. So I don't know when that I may mean, say ten years, but I don't know the exact deal. So right. um but I carried over to new ownership, I remember. I remember that being a deal when they carried so, over. So it could be over it might be over just because of all the think about the rehab they've done to the inside. Like that well, was yeah, a lot yeah. of, now it's all like local vendors and not really there's only very few like but wasn't that the city Shouldn't, that did that? That wasn't the maybe Blues, that was could it? that could be for all I know. Yeah, because yeah. there's remember the Blues for the, having the offices and having their all their games there. Um, to my knowledge, they signed like a fifty year lease or yeah. something crazy like that when they first opened. Sure, for a dollar a year. Yeah, I mean, so they're not really that. So, but so that's the thing is, so parking is that's one of the reasons the city is you know cities infamously always low on money. So why do you think it always still says Keel Center parking there? They're oh, just yeah. not going to change a sign because they're just not going to spend the money on it. Yep. No, I, I, I get it. But I, I think that's probably why you see so much uh, real estate on the scoreboards and the banners and things like that going to advertising. Yeah. Because the Blues are probably trying to find any way they can to offset the fact that they're not getting parking and concession money. Yeah. The other thing I noticed, too, um, so the – where the parking garage is attached for the Enterprise, and we'll get into the firing in a second. I'll finish up my Chicago thought in a second. Uh, as I got back from Chicago, and I was passing by the Enterprise Center from the train station, mm-hmm. you know the entrance that's on the outside, like right next to the um, where the parking garage is? Yes. Like, well, so the front offices used to be. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, so now it's funny. It's, it's branded now. Do you know that? 
No. It is it's the post serial entrance. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It has like a post sign. That's all I was like. I kind of caught me off yeah. guard as I was driving. I was like, oh, that's odd. That's, that's new to me. All right. I've been to a game this year. So that's something that's new. So, like I said, anything you can do to generate, go for it. I, people got really, you know, sensitive about patches on the jerseys and patches on the helmets. Haven't heard much about that since it happened. Dude, it, you know what? It's not that big of a thing. And if it generates a couple, ten, you know, $500,000, whatever, it's great. That's that much more money this team has to For operate. something that literally you got upset about at the beginning and we haven't heard about yeah, it's as not time funny. went on, nothing went on. So uh, finish up my Chicago thoughts. So the I thought the arena was nice. Mm-hmm. Honey and butter chickens were pretty amazing sandwiches. Yep. So I had that. That was pretty good. Um, it's in the hood. I told you it's in the hood. It is. It, it was uh, It was interesting. So I was kind of on the one side. So we were, we were parked very close. So it was one of those things where I didn't get to see, but like after you said, I kind of walked, I kind of saw around. We did have a guy come up to us and was saying, like, oh, don't you want to tip your parking vendor? No. And he, and he just had a random, like, yellow thing on. Yeah. And no. I'm like, I'm not sure he worked there. Was just trying Probably to get money. didn't. So it was just funny. So whatever. Um, the other thing I noticed walking around in, and I get this, because Chicago really doesn't have many people on their team now to build on outside of Connor Bedard. I get that. You saw the Bedard jerseys, but compared to, like, when you come to St. Louis, we see Robert Thomas, Jordan mm-hmm. Cairo, Pavel Bushnevitz. Um, yep. Justin Paul, Jordan Bennington, you know, whoever, Colton Pareko. I mean, really, who are you going to get? And that's and that's and that's why I thought I, after I, I, I saw a lot of Taves and Kane. Yeah, Taves, Kane, uh, a couple Duncan Keith, Patrick Sharp, yeah. uh, a couple of Corey Crawfords. Um, the guy probably had a Chelios jersey, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, look. I, so it's I, funny that I would say 95 to 90, maybe higher than that, 8% of the people wearing jerseys are merchandise that was like somebody's name on it. It was somebody who no longer plays at the team, which well, kind of took which took me aback. But then after I kind of thought about it, I'm like, well, yeah, they really have people on one-year contracts. 2010 and, to 2015, man. Yeah. Those are going to be the years. And, I mean, when you're wrapping up $20 million between two players. Yeah. So I, I got it. But it's just kind of like compared to when we go, we're like yeah. we always play the game. Like what's the weirdest jersey you're going to see in the sure. thing? But Still, it's kind of interesting to not see like a more a lot of current ones, but yet, like I just said, it's kind of Bedard and nothing really. Yeah, that's it. Maybe I mean, maybe Seth Jones. Maybe a couple Seth Jones. I there maybe had been a few Corey Perry's before the last couple of weeks. Who knows? But yeah, so um, it was interesting to see like that. So I thought that was uh, interesting. But yeah, it was a good experience. So I was like happy I went. The result wasn't How are great. The fans to you? Did you wear a Blues jersey? Yeah, believe it or not, like when I walked in, I saw one Blues jersey. I saw, like. We, we sat right dead center ice at the very, like, we're right behind the press boxes. Yeah. So we sat literally one row behind, like, basically at the top, which still great seats great, were in great the view. top. Yeah. We were, it was great. There's not a bad seat in United Center. Yeah. There, there's really not. So I'll say that. It was like really, it felt still low. Yeah. But you were up high. So it was yep. kind of weird. So um, that was great. But nobody, yeah, it was very much like everybody Good. was chill. And I think it's because, like, what do they got to brag about right now? I think it also is just like, there's really no, like, big, like the the heyday rivalry, but there was a lot of kids there. Yeah. Like so, I mean, it was very much like in the section I was. It was a lot of younger kids, so maybe that was one of the reasons. But also, it really there hasn't been too much of a like I say blood feud in a long time. You'd see the clips they showed the St. Patrick's Day uh, massacre up there. Of course but, they did. But that's really it. Like yeah. I mean, you think about it. Like we not until the Robbie Fabry Corey Corey Crawford thing. Yeah, that was like the only kind of most recent thing I can come up with in my head. Yeah, like a spats. I mean, we played them obviously, but like sure. people getting fights anyway. So it was 
I enjoyed it, so I'm looking forward to next year. Maybe Nashville, maybe Dallas. Who knows? We'll yeah, go. either one. I have Columbus yet. To, is, Columbus is on the list too. Yep. I have yet to go to a game at Bridgestone. I I've been there for concerts, and it's a beautiful arena, but I haven't been there for a game. Yet. Yeah, so it's on the list too. So anyway, uh, Chicago was that was main. I mean, the main topic of our kind of like podcast here. Yeah, and, until the last 48 hours. Last, yeah, so. Let's get to this. First, the Blues lose to Detroit about an, uh, give or take an hour ish later. About an hour and a half later. An hour and a half later, uh, Craig Brube is uh, relieved of relieved duties. Of duties. He is con- his contract goes through the end of next season, so he will be paid unless he's picked up by somebody. Basically, he, I, and I guarantee you, he will. If I, not by, if not during the season, certainly next season. Yeah. The funny thing is that we're talking. We're saying is Chris is wearing a uh, Ottawa Senators jersey right Silent now. Silent protest. Yeah. Um, that Ottawa's been kind of they're the team that was supposed to be on the rise this year, and that's really not been them. It's more Detroit's been the one that's yep. been playing really well. So there's rumors that they may move Berube. Berube may be a candidate up there if they decide to change gears up there. Boy, would that piss Tarasenko off! I know what people. That's what a lot of people said, which I think is funny. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But I think he'll be in demand. Oh, I think so. Do- I mean, he's five seasons removed from winning the Stanley Cup. He clearly knows how to turn a team around. He did it the first year he was there. So, look, I we'll get into this as we start talking about the firing. Um, but I will go on record. This was not Craig Berube's doing the nope. most of his job. Uh, the next question I was going to ask you, this is not on him. Oh, no, not at all. It's, it, it is, as we say a million times, it's easier to fire one guy than it is 25. Yep, and uh, it's easiest thing to do in sports. That's what I've been trying to tell people the last couple of days, like, when something's not working, so no matter coach. no matter what, and they're like, and Armstrong kind of alluded to it in his uh, press conference. He's like, "There's been times when the coaches year have a really good team and a bad coach, and then which you can kind of he got I was alluding me to like Mike Yo to yeah. the Blues team, and then you bring in a good coach and look what happens." Yeah. So I think this is literally good coach, bad team. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think that in that pre- there was a couple things that I want to talk about in regards to. What Doug Armstrong said, there were a few quotes that really stuck out. Yeah, I'll then do a bunch of those. So if you can just stop me when I go, and if that's something you can do, we can go for it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so obviously, he's fired. The next day, 10.30 a.m. press conference. Um, I was like, must see TV for me, because I was like, I got to yep. see what's going on here. So um, this I've taken this from Jeremy Rutherford's article on The Athletic, so he did a really good job of kind of like making things down for clarity and just kind of sure. breaking into, into topics. So I think that's good. So the first thing somebody asked him was, did Armstrong drive to Enterprise Center for the game against the Red Wings thinking he might fire Brube afterwards? Uh, and this is, uh, I won't try to do all this, but quote, uh, Armstrong says, I haven't really slept much since the Columbus game. Then the Chicago game was sleep- a sleepless night. You hope that the Detroit game would be different. The last three games, when you read clippings and the players from the opposition and the coaches are saying, what a character win, what a gutsy win. I can't believe we did that last night. We were undermanned. If the opponent feels that way about their performance, how do we feel about our performance? Yep. End quote. That's one of them. Okay. You can elaborate more on that. Uh, I think that he said something after that uh, in regards to the last game this team has won, which was against Phoenix, mm-hmm. where he made the comment, uh, this team has outscored many opponents but haven't really won the game. Mm-hmm. And that's very true. And, you know, I think that shows you that this has not been a knee-jerk reaction to even one or two or even three bad performances in a row. This team is floating at 500, and 
aside from a few big marquee wins, has never looked phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, you know, there is talent on this team. There is also, and we've talked about it with the Blues a ton, playing down your opponents. I think the Blues are getting the benefit of teams overlooking the Blues a few times and escaping with either one point or two points. Uh, it sucks because I truly do not believe that this is um, the fault of coaching. But, uh, yeah, that quote from Armstrong uh, was very, very telling to me. Yeah, so, and there was a lot of stuff in this, so I'm doing my best to uh, not go to the whole press conference because that would take a long time. Yep. So another thing he, he told me, I said, what do you specifically do you feel personally responsible for? And he says, well, that we're not a successful franchise, that these are the things that you contemplate as you're within an organization. You come to an organization because you make it better and you want to leave it better, better spot. When I got here in 2008, we were better for a long time. If I get fired in the next hour or get hit by a bus in the next hour, I don't feel today that I've left it any better than where I found it, and that's an awful feeling. I get what he's saying, that on paper, yeah, this team is probably as crappy as they were in 08, Mm -hmm. but let's not take away the fact that Doug Armstrong is the man who ushered in and saw this team through really the golden years of Blues hockey Mm -hmm. when we're looking about the, the better part of the last decade. Doug Armstrong brought a, brought a Stanley Cup to St. Louis. Uh, you know, his decision-making, here's the thing what I'll say. His decision-making built this team into a championship team. Mm-hmm. His decision-making and contracts since that day have also put this team into where they are now. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of contracts that have been handed out since the Stanley Cup victory that were way too big in dollar amount and term, and it has handcuffed this team. For a while. So we can talk about the defensive contracts. We know in the no-trade clauses, obviously, yep. is something yep. which came to rear its ugly head this offseason with yes. Tory Krug. So. Yes. And what do your, all your homies do? All my homies hate Tory Krug. Okay. Uh, did Brube's message grow stale? Uh, quote, Craig and I, we talked every day. I was in Europe for two weeks, and we were talking, what's the message going to be today? I always loved the message. And then we, I would set my alarm for 3 a.m., and I'd get up and watch the game, and that what the message was wasn't transpiring on the ice. And this is the quote you're talking about the last two games. Two games that come to a forefront for me were the Phoenix game and the Buffalo game, where we outscored the opposition, but we didn't win the game. Yep. We outscored who we played, but we, you didn't walk away saying, we outplayed that team. There are more nights than not. I felt like we didn't win the game. You're going to be better than the other team in this league and lose. That happens, but we didn't win enough small battles during the game to win enough games. Not by the score, but by the eye test, you were a better team. Yeah, that that to me was the most important quote of the entire conference. And I think that's so telling for what Doug Armstrong brings to the table as a GM. Like He sees big picture and... The fact that this team, we've talked about it the last few podcasts, the fact that this team was sitting in a wild card spot was fairly remarkable. Mm-hmm. And I think that this team has won a handful of games that they had no business winning. And I think that Buffalo game and that Phoenix game were two. Were, to be honest, the, the Sabres beat the Blues everywhere except the scoreboard. Yeah, and so that was, yeah, goaltending wasn't great that game for them, which helped the Blues out. Yes. So. Uh, so in November 2022, you said Berube wasn't the problem. What has changed? Uh, it was a compete issue. What has changed? We were a team that was expected to be good with veteran players and that had gotten 
the most out of. We got 110 points the year before, and that would have been four or five weeks into the season. So what has changed? A year has changed. The year of information has changed. I I don't really get that. Uh, to me, I guess that's like not the information going to the players. I think the information coming from Barube to management saying this is how the team is acting to schemes on the ice performance practices. So my coaching, so on and so forth. I I took that as it's just a year of seeing everything that's happened. You know, this team was really, really good up until the point that it wasn't there. There wasn't a slow decline. It was, we got to last year and the bottom dropped down yeah, bad. and you know, we knew that we were going to lose Tarasenko. I think that all of us fans thought, or at least hoped, that the O'Reilly trade was just a rental and didn't turn out to be. Was that our choice? Was that O'Reilly's choice? We may never really know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think what changed is you've seen a year now where this team hasn't corrected itself. And, you know, every good team has a hiccup year. This is proving to not be a hiccup year. And unfortunately, you know, when you have the amount of money wrapped up in players that you do when you're spending to the cap, there is an expectation. And like we've said earlier in the podcast, you can't just turn your entire roster over. So what's the one thing you can do? You can change the coach. Um, You know, I feel like this is very akin to the Ken Hitchcock firing. I don't think it was all Ken Hitchcock's fault. I think players had quit on him. Yeah. And I think that uh, a lot of these players quit on Barube for whatever reason. And I think that some of those players made it known that they quit on Which uh, we will uh, talk about after this one. Um, two more quotes and then we'll two more little sure. things we'll move on. Did the team lose its identity with the departures of Alex Petrangelo and Ryan O'Reilly? Quote, yes, it has. There has been attrition, just works because our salary cap works. Some players we tried very hard to keep and it didn't work out, and some players we try we didn't try very hard to keep. But that's around the league. That happens. I get let's keep the band together till 2040. It doesn't work like that, so yeah. we moved on. But there's a responsibility of guys that are here to continue that. That's where I go back to right now. This group isn't better than what I found it. And if I feel that way, I assume the players in the room that weren't here for the glory have to feel even worse. Yeah. I, I think some I, I, do. Yeah, I agree. I think others don't, don't care. And we'll talk about that one too in a little bit. But and unfortunately, he's going to be the poster child for that, which we'll talk about um, um, for not I, caring. I will say that I think the Petrangelo loss is going to be the albatross around uh, Doug here. Armstrong's neck yeah. until he either wins another Stanley Cup here or is gone. Um, I think that he really thought that they would get a deal done with Petro. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've discussed ad nauseum over the years the fact that, you know, he apparently, he being Petro, had told Jeremy Rutherford halfway through his last season here that he was ready to move on and try something new. Is that true? Is it not? Did he want to come back? You hear different stories and all the things. Yeah. But I think the fact is when this team lost Petro, that was the beginning of the end. Uh, he did a damn good job backfilling. I think he got two players one that was a uh, just in case when he brought Justin Falk in, and then he did the best he could by getting the next best available guy with Tory Krug. It just hasn't worked out. Yeah, if it, let's just say if the Tory Krug came in and let's just say it was Letty money, let's say four million dollars. Yeah, I think there'd be a lot less like chirps at him about that. But Agreed. I think, but I think when you're literally 
about $2 million less than what the guy that left is, you're expected to be only yep. $2 million less valuable in my eyes. Like you're yep. supposed to put up points, play good defensively, play all situations, not be injured all the time. Yeah. So that's just one of those things that, but you, I don't put that so much at Armstrong's feet because he went out and got the next best available guy. Yeah. It's not like he carted in some dude that you've never heard of. It was like, this is not like he brought in Eric Brewer when he got rid of Chris Prong. It was like, this, this guy is great. Trust us. He's great. Yeah. And tried to spoon feed you. Eric Brewer is as good as Chris Pronger for six years. Yeah. You know, he went out and got the next best guy. Yeah. It just hasn't worked. I don't put, th- I don't put the Krug signing on Armstrong as far as you shouldn't have done it. Do I think that maybe you overpaid? Maybe a little bit. Do I also think that Tory Krug's agent knew that your back was against the wall and and probably got more than he probably thought he would elsewhere? 100%. Yeah. So I don't put that on him. I don't put that on the agent. I just think that it's a situation where it didn't work out. But losing Petro, more so than O'Reilly, losing Petro is going to be the albatross around Doug Armstrong's neck. Yeah, I think O'Reilly was just just circumstance at that point because you're at the point where it's like a very valuable commodity you have yep and you he wasn't sure if he wanted to re i mean i think he i think part of him wanted to resign here but i he think he wanted to stay but i think it was one of those things where the numbers weren't going to work yeah to a degree i don't know man i think had they not traded him last year i think they would have reached a deal i really do i think they were working at it and i think it came down to like the wire and they said hey you can go to your hometown yeah you know right outside your hometown basically and play for a team you grew up watching Who's going to make a cup run? Who's going to who can make a decent run at it this year and yep. win another cup, or we can stay here in this, or in the offseason we can try to get this back together and see what happens. Yep. And he probably said, "Cool, I'll go for a couple." Because he didn't and, sell his house immediately. Yeah, and remember, and there still hasn't to a degree. He never did. He never big social media guy, but he never did even a like. Thanks for my time in St. Louis. Yeah. I'll never forget. You know, like everybody else, like Tarasenko yep. did one yep. right away, like and whatever. Like he was done being here. Tarasenko did that. Meanwhile, his wife is posting the picture of herself on Broadway in front of MSG in a Rangers jersey, yeah. like hours after the trade. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. So it is what it is. But yeah, but the Blues obviously got their got some picks that will help out. But unfortunately, a lot of those picks are the thing is with the Blues about the rebuild retool thing is they just don't have high picks, and that's no. what, that's what's going to just. Everybody's like, oh, it'll be two or three years. And like me and you've talked me and you've talked about this. And that's if everything works out great. But all those guys are lower end. And if they want to be in for every lower end draft pick, there's David Prawn. For every one, there's also an Ian Cole yeah. or a Lars Zeller. Yeah. Or Sean Bell. You yeah. ask Sean Bell is exactly right. The guy who right. never made it. So that's what I mean. For every lower I mean, end. Look, even the high round. picks, the Ty Ratty. You know, he was a high second rounder. Yeah. Know? Ty Ratty, then you have Jordan Cairo. That's another second rounder workout. Jake Allen, a great second rounder worked out. Um, there's plenty of other ones in the second round I can probably name right now. Yeah. And then didn't work out. But you know what we're going at here. So, um, yeah. So the rebuild to me is like you you kind of – I always thought this year you would have to like tank it just a little bit. Like it just kind of – This kinda, team's it, done better. I, I wonder if this team had come out of the gates and just fallen on its face like everyone thought it would if Barube would have lost his job this quick. Yeah, the fact that this team has been hanging around a wild card spot for about the first third of the of the season, and then lost four straight. Yeah, I I really think that that did in Barube just because I think that there is a notion in the front office that this team could make the playoffs. Yeah, it ain't gonna go far. Yeah, but they're they're still in the midst of a four game losing streak, exceeding my expectations. 
Yeah, I thought it was a very interesting quote, and it's not on this article at all, where he talked about he's like, you put our um, roster against Colorado's, and we're only literally one. He's like, we're only a half a grade lower than them. And I'm like, ooh, mm. I don't know about that. But he's like, but then, like, we're much better than these three teams we lost to, and we lost to them. And I'm like, even Greg Wyshynski kind of chirped about it, and I was just like, I get it. Like, I, I get what he's trying to go for. He's like, when you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Sure. It's what I think he was trying to go for and sure. and say, like, we're close to, like, no, you don't have a Nathan McKinnon. You don't have a Miko Rantanen. You don't have a Kale McCarr. You don't have a Kale McCarr. You don't have any of that. You, don't you got have, a better goaltender. Yeah, that's about, that's about it. it right now. You know, you don't have anyone have any of a guy who's hurt great Gabriel Landis cog. Nope. Who's good, too. So you really don't have a, you know, to me, I was like, uh, more than a half letter grade there, you know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, last thing we we're going to talk about on the quotes, and then we're going to move on to the infamous quote from one of the players today. Uh, last quote from Rutherford. Are you still confident you can tur- fix this thing? This is uh, Armstrong. Yeah, I know what we need to look like. To me, it's not just based on wins and losses. It's based on, like, St. Louis. They're smart. The fans are smart. They know when they leave the building, whether they got their money's worth, and we've got to give them their money's worth on a more consistent basis. If you're going to take two and a half hours out of your night to turn on a hockey game, you should feel that it's worth your while. I don't think that we've done enough right now. That's not winning hockey brand, and we're not a, and that's not winning culture for an organization. You guys should definitely listen to the Blues Hockey Podcast, end quote. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. look. Thanks for the shout-out, Doug. The most important thing said in, in that quote was listen to the Blues po- Hockey Podcast. Yeah. Um, Great name. Yeah, it is. It's very easy to remember. Um, the biggest problem that I've always had with this Blues team, and it goes back before Years. they won a cup, yeah, is I don't mind going out and getting beaten by a better team. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I want to see the effort put forward whether you're winning or losing. Yeah. And there are many times where I feel that this team just goes and throws their sticks on the ice, either against an inferior opponent and expects that team to lay down and let the blues win. Or this team will fall behind by a goal or two quickly and then just pack it in. And I, I, as a fan, that infuriates me more than a loss is do try. Yeah, that's my, I agree too. Like I think Armstrong kind of like nailed it kind of in that quote to a yeah. degree. It's like, there's some nights when I like, I like, I don't want to begrudge like watching this team. I'm like, Oh, I got to watch the game. Cause like sometimes like, okay, we got to record. So I like to be like somewhat knowledgeable what's going on. And then like, but like, when you watch the game and miss passes, uh-huh. bad breakout passes, bad, like watching Chicago game live was like, Brutal. And I, I went with three people who one person was his very first hockey game ever. Oof. Um, and then two other people who are from St. Louis and live in Chicago for over a decade now. So they like, you know, they like, like Chicago sports and stuff like that. So and they've gone a couple only one or two games in the United Center. And they were just like, wow, like. They're your team is not like the my buddy who's not really you know, watches hockey ton. He's like, wow, we don't look really good tonight. And that's a person who doesn't watch hockey. Yeah. To me, it's like, if that person is doing it, you guys look really bad. Yep. You can't even like, you can't even like confuse a, a non hockey watcher that you're a good team. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, this is a hey, bad team. Jason, how many times last year did I call you and go, Hey, do you want to go to the game tonight? And we were both were just like, ah, it's a Wednesday. Yeah, God, if I traffic. Yeah. I'm yeah. At a park. I, 
And, and we love hockey and yeah. love the blues. Yeah. And it became a labor of like, ah, I. Especially late in the year when it was just like, yeah. you know, like you just want to like get moving and do all that. Like, yep. It is interesting. So now. And this team, by the way, getting back to what we were talking about earlier financially, this is a team that can't afford to lose season ticket holders and fans. Yeah. Remember there, remember after they won the cup, there's a wait list yep. that quickly. I mean, obviously we'll say, what, what about COVID or whatever, but that has disappeared. Yep. Like now even, they're trying to lock people into multi-year contracts. Yes. Like, um, I, and somebody I know with, uh, our, our friends, uh, Mike is buying, buying into a season ticket package now. Oof, so, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you lock in for three years. There's only a, I believe he told me a, only a 6% increase compared to like, it's almost like, in the thirty percentiles right now, it's like high for some of those seats. So I bought my, I bought into my season tickets the day after they announced the Winter Classic at Bush Stadium, because if you were a season ticket plan holder, you had priority buying for the for the mm-hmm. Winter Classic. So that was what 16, 17 season? January first, seventeen. So I can just okay. tell by looking at it right there. So that was the sixteen seventeen season. Yeah, I I wish I could see. How much tickets went up each year? I, I this year is the first year I, I did not renew. Um, there were two years where they didn't go up at all. Mm-hmm. I think that that was the seventeen eighteen year. Because uh, is that the year that they missed the playoffs by one point? Yeah, that was the one where they had last day. Yeah, it was yeah, the last day of the year. Uh, and then they didn't go up the COVID year, but the price jump after they won the cup was pretty ridiculous. I get it. I remember last year going to one of the last games of the year. And I think you were with me and we went and we found my ticket rep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, I was like, so tickets next year, they're not going to go up. Right. And he goes, ah, they're, they're going to go up about 5%. And I looked at him and I was like, for that you've watched the games, right? Like you see what product you're putting out there and you just dealt away the two biggest names on this team. And you want me to pay more? Yep. Nope. And then now with the last year, now going next year, like I know somebody who has up high seats, kind of like on a corner where the blues shoot twice. Yeah. And they're cons- it's on the corner still. And they are like, oh, you're at center ice. And he's like, no. How? He's like, no, I'm not. I am on the corner. And if you even look on your graphic, I'm over here. And they're like, yeah, well, according to any, like they compared that seat compared to other NHL places. And we're like 30 or 40% less. So we're raising tickets like 30%. To meet like get to NHL standards, no. which they're he, trying. That's that is St. Louis trying to compete with New York and Chicago and LA. And you, you, this, if this team starts trying to charge major market prices, they're they're sunk. It's quickly going to go downhill yeah. unless you're going to put a superior product on the ice. Which you want to you want a premium price, you better put out a premium product. Yeah, and not just paying all these over hype guys basically yeah. premium price. So or or you better hope that there's enough corporate corporate money out there that all your seats get bought up by corporations. Yeah, which is what happens in a lot of major markets. Yeah. So Berube is out. Uh, the AHL uh, Springfield coach Drew Bannister is in 49 years old. Uh, his first ever NHL job. So previously coached Springfield to a 93 and 58 record, 93, 58, 19 record for three seasons, three consecutive playoff uh, runs. Yep. And you remember they went to all the way to the Eastern conference final and got to the Calder cup final. Yes. So that was interesting for that. He was an OHL with Owen sound for three years, did have a 20 year professional career, all right. six different teams, cool. 100, 164 games over six years, Tampa, Edmonton, Anaheim and the uh, New York Rangers. So, um, Braden Shen, for me, for everyone, it's a fresh start. 
we're going to play hard for Drew. He's going to come in with a different message. You guys are going to have to buy in, and everyone gets a fresh slate. It's a different locker room for him. He's going to give guys a fair shake. We're looking forward to working with him. Um, yeah, great. That's what you expect. And that's the normal hockey talk. And I've seen – we're going to talk uh, about this uh, next one real quick. Uh, let's see. There it is. Oh, that's interesting. I have also a couple different polls out there if you guys want to look. Did the Blues uh, do the right thing firing uh, Craig Brube? As of right now, we're at a solid 88% saying no. I'd agree. So, um, and right now I have this next one, but we're going to wait and talk about that uh, one real quick. So, today's locker room day, Drew Bannister is, uh, you know, locked in as the new coach for St. Louis Blues. Mind you, Interim coach. Yep. Not even for the whole season. He, they could find a guy halfway through. Sure. And he could be shipped back to AHL, or he could get the reins if he does really well. Yep. Who knows? I mean, to be fair, they said the same thing when they when they hired Barube. Yeah, and they, and they know, obviously, we know how that went. Yep. Uh, so, everybody gets in, interviewing all the players today, and it's all like, yeah, we can't wait to work for a new coach. We're going to work hard. Uh, Armstrong said the two things he wants out of this team is passion and accountability. So, I think that's something that's definitely missing from this team. So I agree, I agree on that one. So I'm like, cool. Uh, so the blues obviously made the little uh, couple moves today. Um, the one other big thing we're going to talk about, we can't even get to, we're almost 38 or 39 minutes in now. We haven't even talked about Jakob Verona getting waived. Right. Um, finally, that came to a head after the Chicago game where he basically did not had a controller off situation twice and gave, was on the ice for two goals on the fourth line uh, did not play great. There was talks of him getting traded. Uh, he got was supposed to be on waivers, did not go on waivers that day, and then finally was on waivers yesterday, and he went through. So uh, they bring up old friend uh, Mackenzie McEachern comes up for Great. the AHL. He's going to be on the fourth line tonight. Great. That's what he's that's what he's there for. Uh, Hugh McGinn is now up now with Robert. Now the other thing, Robert Hugh McGinn, got, Hugh McGinn got sacrificed to the Wolves against Chicago. Yeah, he did not play. He was with Jakob Verana and Alexandrov and just did not play great. No. Um, he had a couple. He had a really good shot. He, and the thing that sucks is, man, the guy had he's from Chicago, had yep. family in the stands, and then he had to be stuck with a, basically a care trying to carry Jakob Verona around that game, which sucks. Yep, for him, so it'd be your first in be second NHL game, but in your like home city, like, sure, that really sucks. Yeah. So uh, obviously, everybody is looking to get a new chance with the new coach now. So um, Verona's down, Mac Max back up. Rob Bortuzzo, the longest tenure blue, traded as well last week. All these things we can't even get to because of what has happened, which yeah. is crazy. I, I will say this, and I, I don't think there's much more to say on the Bortuzzo thing than this. Yeah, great player, great locker room guy. Mm-hmm. Wanted to go somewhere where he was going to play. You know? I can't blame him. You know? Yeah. I, 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 God, God bless him. He was a great blue. He filled a role well. I cannot blame him for going to Doug Armstrong and going, hey, man, if I'm not going to play here, send me somewhere where I can play. Yeah. And Best of luck with the Islanders. Yeah, and with the Islanders, it looks so weird. Because, you know, an Islander can't have facial can't have hair. Facial hair. It's very Simpsons. He looked very weird. Yep. So it was odd. So um, so the quote I'm going to read, I'm going to show Chris the gift that I used today for the quote. Uh-huh. So um, talking to different players. So Kairou is up next. Kyrie on his relationship with Brube. I've got no comment. He's not my coach anymore. That tells you what you need to know. And so everybody's talking about like all the rumors about Kyrie being an issue. I mean, you just made yourself literally target number one. Like Blues fans are pissed at Doug Armstrong. I bet you Doug Armstrong's like happy like he opened his mouth today. Yeah. Because now he's like, cool, people are off. Well, me. I'm sure Armstrong doesn't care yeah, about that part I'm of it. I'm sure he's he happy he took the spotlight off him, but I'm sure he's also not happy because now there's crosshairs on his highest paid offensive player. Yeah. 
who was already struggling this year with five goals. Uh, uh, Jason, how many goals of the how many games of the Blues played? Twenty nine. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Five goals. Uh, Jordan Cairo has five more goals scored than you and I. Yeah. At eight million dollars a year. A lot. Um, That's not yeah. what the kids call good. That does not slap either. No, what the kids say. It, it does not slap. It's not a bop. It, it is all around bad. We sound old and white when we say it. Yes, that's we, funny. Yes, yes, that's funny. But, but like, look, dude, if you're paying, if you're getting paid eight million dollars a year to put the puck in the net, and you are almost thirty games into the season, and you've got five goals, that's a problem. Yeah, I. Uh... Uh, Armstrong d- alluded to like basically Cairo, but didn't really say. He basically yeah, was like, I think yeah, everyone he, knew who he was talking. He basically about. knew he was talking about, but then he, they, when he, when somebody somebody decided to specifically say like, "Hey, Jordan Cairo," and uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, he flat out was just like, "Yeah, he does not have the season he wants. We're going to work hard to get him back on track, and so on and so forth." Um, yeah, and they say he actually very complimentary of Robert Thomas and some other players. Um, the other quote of player quotes I have that I wanted to touch on was Jordan Biddington. Cause man, it makes me want to go. I do have a Jordan Cairo Jersey because he did really well at the winter classic that I did not go to. Uh, but Jordan Biddington said this after, after Brewer got fired, we've got to be proud to wear that blue note Jersey and be proud to be part of this organization and play for this city. If you're not just get out of here because you're not wasting. You're just not wasting time. These are special years being able to play in NHL. It's a privilege End quote. And I was like, that's my goalie. Because that's why that dude's awesome, and that's why I don't care what anybody else in the NHL thinks of him or his antics. Because the dude wants to play hockey and throws his whole heart into it. Um, you can see by his play on the ice the this last couple of years where he was sometimes the best. Most times he was the best player on the ice for the St. Louis Blues. Yes, and that is something that uh, I like. We talked about. We want to see a hardworking team. Our goalie's busting his ass to like carry this team. And honestly, one for Jordan Bennington, 13, 14, and one is not going to happen. That's there's probably his goals uh, expected is in the top 10 this year compared to where he was last year. The last couple of games, he wasn't that great. So it kind of lowered it a little bit, but he was top four for a while there. There's talk on being in the Vesna talk early on. Um, that guy is awesome. So props to Jordan Minton for saying that. Um, I'm hoping that the blues get to turn it around. So um, I the, talk, talk to you about who's public enemy. Number one, that's my, uh, little poll we have out there right now. I have Jordan, Jordan Kyrou and Doug Armstrong. We have 78 votes and I've only had that for three hours. Chris, what do you think it is right now? Who is leading right now? I would say it's gotta be Jordan Kyrou right now. Believe it or not. It is neck and neck. Is it 51 to 49? Doug Armstrong. It doesn't surprise. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think people blame Armstrong right now because it wasn't uh brew fault that he got fired. And it, it, it is, as we said, at the feet of Doug Armstrong for some of these contracts, both in term and money, that have kind of hamstrung the team. But, dude, you when you're having a bad season, you can't run your mouth like that. What he should have said, and again, this is where I think his agent should have talked to him yesterday, or at least this morning before the like, press hey, conference has been like, it. let's be polite. Just be the do the hockey talk. Yeah, just be like, you know... Um, something along the lines of, you know, we feel really bad that Chief lost his job. Uh, we had a lot of success under him. We hope he lands on his feet. Yeah. Even you know, if somebody, I'm just looking. I'm just going to try to keep moving forward and help the St. Louis Blues do better. 
Yeah. Exactly. Hockey talk. That's yep. you and then you say like with Armstrong, say with like Brube, and you ask about it, say like, you had a comp- complicated relationship. I wish he didn't lose his job. I hope he does well in the future. Boom. I don't even Done. think you need to mention Done the complicated that. relationship. Like keep it positive. Yeah. I mean, if you really, really want to do it, that's about, you know. Yep. So I, there was one thing I did put out. I was on the uh, on our Facebook. I was saying like, hey, with Brube fired, sound off and we'll read your responses. And I'll be honest, um, we usually get like about a handful of responses when we do stuff on the Facebooks and stuff like that. Um, I got 62 comments. Right on. So that's a great A. Uh, B, it's hard for me to read all these. Sure. So I'm going to try to go through the most I can here about like Brube getting, did they do the right thing with Brube getting fired? Who is to blame? The players, Doug Armstrong, the our Brube slash the coaching staff. I'm going to just do about 10 real quick. Here we go. And Chris, to chime in on these if you want to. Uh, Michael C. Kelly, Doug Armstrong, created this mess with bad contracts he can't get out of, no trade clauses, overpaid. He's the one that should be fired. I don't think he should be fired, but I think he's on right. The, officially on the hot seat now. Oh, yeah. For the yeah. first time in his tenure in St. Louis, I think yeah, he's on the 15, hot seat. First time in 15 years, he's officially on the, like, yeah. you better yeah. figure out a way and, to turn and, this around. And he's right on the reasons why. I don't think he should be fired for it yet, but I do think that he's lost his fall guy now. There's no, like, now that he's fired Barube, the focus shifts to him. Yeah, the, him and the players are taking, like, the brunt now. Yeah. You know, so uh, Greg Insko, Armstrong should go. The captain should always go down with the ship. Anthony Coughlin, Doug Armstrong, he didn't make any good trades or signing decent players. Mm, I disagree. I disagree with that. Uh, Brett Mueller, Armstrong, bad. There you go. Uh, Andrew Calhoun, Army for sure. Armstrong's overrated from Tony Scharf. Ooh, I, that's a hot take that I don't agree with. Yeah. Uh, let's say he when he let Petro go, I think it was pretty obvious where this team was headed. Maybe. Maybe. I also don't think he let him go. Uh, I think they. I think the Blues tried. At the end of the day, things just didn't work out. Dude, Vegas, you don't have, or Nevada doesn't have state sales tax. Yeah, he made, when we, when we did the podcast, I, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I remember being significant. I mean, like an extra, almost a full year salary. Yeah. What he was making more because there's no because state tax no over st- the length of the contract. And that's something that, if you have three, I think three kids he has now, yeah. like that's. Yep. And then the blue, there ain't nothing the blues could do about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is weird. It's Eric Brewer, but Eric with an H. Okay. So I thought it was, I'm like, maybe it's a like account for a him. Burner account. A burner account. Special teams coaching has been non-existent since Montgomery left, but nobody ever wants to do anything about it. Those guys last year should have been gone long before the end of the season. And clearly these guys aren't any better. The thing we never know from the outside is how much freedom the coach really has. Was everything going by on his decision? Was he forced to continue using underperforming players by people above him? I defended Armstrong through most of what he does, but these high-dollar contracts with no trade clauses are definitely a problem now. Well, I will say this. In regards to the special teams coaching, I would say that that falls at the feet of Craig Berube. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're the head coach, one of your jobs is to evaluate your coaching staff and make changes accordingly. Um, so, and I don't disagree that the special teams have been pathetic, but that's not an Armstrong problem. That's a, that's a Craig Berube problem. Yeah. Um, the contracts. Yep. We've said it a million times in the course of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Armstrong made this bet. Okay. So a couple more, uh, ones in here. So Justin Schmidt, uh, this is on Armstrong a little bit for the players contracts we have, but the players need to play. Yes. They get a lot of money. They get paid a lot of money to play the game. Go play the damn game to the best of your abilities and earn your paycheck. The majority of the team is playing half-assed, scared hockey. Yes. Uh, having said that, this team is even close to the same team we won with the Cup. This team still hasn't rebounded from the losses of Petro 
and Bo Meester, which I think Agreed. that's underrated. I agreed. Uh, and until they get a couple of defensemen that can shut down teams like they did, this teams continue to struggle. Uh, now we have no super ahead here. Now we have Preco and Crew. Give me a break. Do you have the roster in front of you? Uh, I can get it in super quick. How many people are left from the cup? Not three. Three and some Benny have come Tim, back. Pareko, Shen. Shen. Is that it? Technically, Sunquist is back. Yeah. Okay. So Sunquist. If four. you want to consider, I believe McEachern. Uh, Kyra was technically a black yeah, ace that uh, year. Thomas. So five. I don't count Kyra because he was a black ace. And uh, defensive wise, that's it. So you've got five people left. Yeah. Um, it is time to stop comparing this team to the team that won the cup. It's not the same team. Mm-hmm. It's not. It, it's just not. Um, I agree. At the end of the day, it always falls on the players. And I think that comes back to what we talked about not too long ago, which is the effort level. If you're going out there and you're busting your ass and you're losing to the Vegas Golden Knights 5-3, to three, all right, man, they're a better team. I get it. But when you go out and you get your ass handed to you by the San Jose Sharks mm-hmm. and you look bad yeah. against Columbus and Chicago, Chicago. And uh, a Detroit team that's depleted. When you barely beat uh, a Phoenix team, that's on you. And, you know, coaches can, can coach to a point. A front office can, can put pieces together. But it's up to those dudes who are lacing them up every night to get out there and play. And I, I hate to harp on him because he's just one guy, but he's one guy with a Big friggin' paycheck. I'll say it again. When you're being paid $8 million a season to put the puck in the net, you should be doing it more than a once every five game clip. Yeah, not great, to say the least. And it's beyond frustrating with him because you can see the talent, but it's very, he reminds me of early, like, and this is just because of just the style of play. I'm not saying he'll become this player at all. But early Tarasenko, where remember the first game he played, and Tarasenko had two the, goals, two goals, great goals, two on top of that. Yep. And then he was very much tr- always trying to do it by himself. Very David Peronish too when yeah. he was like this. And then you could see the talent was there, but they were just like, this ain't the this ain't Quebec major. This isn't nope. AHL. This isn't like you can't work your you can't just decon everybody and get a goal. Yeah, every you time. can't just score off the rush. Yeah, and like sometimes, yeah, is the game trending that way? Sure, but also like you can see other teams that have a good mix of grinding and uh, rush team, which I think is where it's more going. I think you yes. got to have a good balance. You have to have players who can kind of do both. If you're an eight million dollar player, you should be able to do both. Yeah, look at Alex Ovechkin and look at well, my thing is like Bushnevitz is like the perfect example. I mean, he can do both. He can he can play the up and down game and he can also grind away too. So. Uh, I'll read two more real quick. And like I said, thank you everybody for uh, commenting on this. Cause like it, I was kind of blown away when I got started getting all these different uh, uh, notifications. So Cliff Holland Armstrong is to blame. The team has just a bunch of random players and nothing seems cohesive beyond them. The defense contracts have been hard to understand as well. We talked about that yep. at length. Uh, see Armstrong, 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 uh, boycott the blues. Uh, I'm not boycotting the Blues. I'm still cheering for them, despite the fact that I'm wearing the opposition's jersey tonight as a silent protest for. And there, I'll do two more. Let's let's do this. Uh, one says, uh, "Mike, uh, I don't know his last name." Fifty-five is a waste of a blue sweater. This clown was the last four or five game playing like he was a drunk sissy. I completely disagree with that. And well, defensive the last four or five games, yes, everybody's played crap. Correct. But if you this season better, but a lot better than the last couple. He was our current. Uh, 2022 23 St. Louis or a blues hockey podcast 
um, Paul Korea award-winning yeah. person. So he's the defending champion in that regard. Yeah, so he is there. So I have one more for left. For those of you who may not remember, because you, maybe you're listening for the first time since we fired our coach, the Paul Korea award goes to the soft bitch who yeah. can't score for shit and can't do anything else. Okay, so correct. And we'll read this comment. Then I want to, I like to tell that story because that's one of my favorite stories. So last one is Mike uh, Flyer. Don't really care. All I expect, win or lose, is an honest effort, and we aren't getting that currently. And that's where I commented on him, and I said, exactly. That's all I want. They were When they were right after the lockout, and they basically traded Pronger and a bunch of people away, and it was, like, not great. But you're getting guys out there that were trying, but you know that, like, skill level was not going to meet Detroit and other guys that were just Chicago's and other teams back then. And then all of a sudden, they just turned it, and then they slowly turned it around with draft picks and stuff. And I think it's just going to take time. You're yeah. going to need to get a couple high picks. I'm not saying if they get number one overall, I'm not going to be sad, but they need to get some top five picks, plain and simple. That's just how that's I agree that. And if you look at any sport possible is two ways, you two ways you buy champions, you do championships, you buy it like the Dodgers. Yep. Or you draft high really well. And then hopefully all those draft picks work out really well. And you augment them with free agents. Yep. That's I how agree. it is in every sport. So that's how it's going to have to be. And you hope that, you draft well and you bring in the right free agents and win a cup. That's how it works. Yeah. And that's look, I'm just using Chicago example. Drafted Taves. Drafted Kane. Brought in Marion Hosa. Yep. Drafted Duncan Keith. Brought in Patrick Sharp. Yep. So I mean, like you're saying, they augmented perfectly. So that's just what you have to do. And the Blues, you can say in 2019 did the same thing. Traded for Ryan O'Reilly. Um, you know, obviously getting Jordan Bennington and goal really helped out. You know, so having Alex Petrangelo, having a bunch of other guys in there. So everything works out. So so Paul Korea soft bitch award. So that is because when Chris went to a game one time, when Paul Korea was with the Blues for a few seasons. A few seasons. Um, a guy was very excited to be on the ice. And I'll let Chris very from excited there. towards the end of the game. This is back when the Blues were just hot garbage. Not great. Um, and there was like three minutes left in the game. And Korea comes over the boards, and this guy sitting down the row from us excitedly exclaims, Paul Korea's on the ice. Guys, Paul Korea's on the ice. To which a drunken man, three rows in front of him, turns around and declares, Paul Korea's a soft bitch. Can't score for shit. And just crushed this man's soul. Yeah. So and it made my friend and I laugh hysterically which is amazing and uh that era of blues hockey so and it's different now with that blues era. now you have social media and another way for blue for fans to kind of voice your displeasure you know like and obviously players have a new way of interacting with uh guys as well so it's very interesting how this is the whole social media age with the team is going to happen now because, man, like it, like I said, I was not expecting this many comments on this, and a lot of people are a lot passionate. And this is just our post. I posted this on a couple other groups, and I had almost like 50 on that one. So thanks to everybody who did this. I hope you found the podcast and are listening to this one. Uh, if you are, thanks. Um, well, hopefully we're going to go upstairs. in about 6.30 now. We're going to go upstairs and watch the Hopefully Blues, New Look Blues against the Ottawa Senators, who played last night or played the other night. Um, Doesn't seem to be an issue when teams play the Blues. Yeah, so we'll see how things go. Brady Kachuk was very upset after last game. Did you see that, by the I way? I did. Uh, the sliding poke check, which was amazing. Yep. On a, on a, on a penalty shot, on a, on a shootout. But anyway, I thought that was great. So we'll see what happens. So I don't know. 
Um, I think the next I'm kind of throwing the next five games out because you're adjusting to a new coach. Because yep. remember, Rube didn't win the first couple of games nope. with the Blues. So it took him a while to get things going. This is going to get judged in January. If we're looking mid-January after the new year and we're still struggling, that's, to me, things aren't working. And they're going to have to figure out trades and releasing. And Armstrong said he's not in reverse course. He is not afraid of buyouts and sending guys to the AHL. Will he? I don't know. Obviously, Jakob Verana is one thing, but sending somebody like, let's say, Justin Falk or Tori Krug down is another story. Yep. Or buying them out is another story. So I'm very interested to see what happens. Those guys, Justin Falk, we, we raved about last year, probably being the best booze defenseman. Invisible. Zero goals through 28 games. Yep. So he needs to turn it around. The power play is at, at the bottom at 9% right now. We have more shorthanded goals than power play goals. Eight shorthanded goals and, and seven power play goals, which who. Lead the league in shorthanded goals, which is amazing. Marco Scandell had a great one. That, yeah, that, that goal beautiful. was beautiful. Can't the power play like the, the Chicago game when I was there? They had a power play. They didn't enter the zone for a minute and fifteen seconds. Yeah, that tracks. And then literally, I I was quiet. I yelled, "You have an extra guy on the ice. Do something." Yeah, I pulled a Chris basically. So like, I so you're welcome for you rubbing. The off. power play is a, a real thing. It's not just figurative. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see how the Blues do. Um, we'll keep bringing it here. Like uh, I think Chris is uh, kind of well, not in town after this weekend, but we'll we'll do another episode before the end of the year. Yeah, here. I'm, I'm slowing it down through the end of the year. So. Yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll do some stuff and Shut uh, the studio down. Yeah, got uh, uh, tune into our socials. It's on the Facebooks at, at Blues Hockey NHL. I'm at Hossapalooza. and then also we have uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook as Blues Hockey Podcast. Check all those out. Uh, interact with us. Uh, we have an email to blueshockeypodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email about the show, go ahead and rate us on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts and, uh, only if you're a friend or a family. And that's right. uh, yeah, that's about it. But anybody can rate us. It's an inside joke for anybody who's new here. So thanks for everybody for listening. And uh, in case we don't get another one up before Christmas, I hope we do. But if not, I hope everybody has happy holiday. Merry, uh, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy. Um, I'll let you do it because I know we had the exact same thought we were ready to say. Oh, go ahead. Uh, happy Chinooka. Happy Chinooka. Uh, and Wu-Tang is for the children. Yep. Have a good one, guys. And thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. See you.